0: You're listening to Riverview Church Conversations, a podcast for the spiritually curious.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to the Riverview Church Conversations podcast. My name is... What's my name? My name is Reese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, still is.
0: <laughs> Hasn't changed. Yes, and sitting across from me is brother Ryan Gagler. Hello you, Ryan? everyone. So nice to have you join with us for the Conversations podcast again. Mm. we were um trying to remember what this podcast was called. We we're getting a bit confused. Um, there's many
1: variants. I get asked at least once a week what's what's is it is it Riverview Church Conversations? Is it Riverview Conversations Podcast? Is it something else? Maybe like, I don't know. You call it what you want. <laughs> maybe we do an episode on what we should be called. No, yeah, We could we'll, do. We, we we'll, do a, could. we'll do a branding exercise.
0: How you going, Rhys?
1: Um, you know what? Today I'm probably a 6 out of 10 bodily. I fear I've overdone it on the bike this week. Oh. Yes. What, your brain's trying to catch up? Feel like or... My body's trying to catch oh, up okay, to, okay. to my kilometer count. Yes. I've overdone it too early in the week.
0: Look, better than zero kilometers. This is true. This is very, this yes. is very true. Switches, yeah. Maybe my
1: body's the other way. Well, How many kilometers have you done, Ryan?
0: Yeah, very little. <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, Rhys, my fun question to kick us off today is simply: if you could spend seven days anywhere in the world, where would you spend it? Oh great question. Um, probably not Morley,
1: which is where <laughs> I usually, usually spend my days. Uh, no, Morley's fine, guys. Um, it's it's a lovely it's a lovely place. Uh, uh, potentially somewhere Southeast Asia. Okay, okay. Somewhere some 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 kind of off the
0: beaten track place. You like the humidity, the food? Yeah, I do. I do. Okay. Maybe maybe Vietnam. Yeah, well, very I, different race cuz I hate the humidity. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> well, I struggle. Where where would you go? Oh, I'd go somewhere a little colder. Crown uh, Towers. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I uh Look, I, I love the Pacific Northwest I, oh, when yeah, I was living yeah, yeah, in Vancouver yeah. for a, a time. I really love Portland mm. and um, Oregon State in general, just some of the mountains up that way. And look, a little bit colder, good coffee scene. If I was spending seven days, I'd probably go somewhere like that.
1: Uh, yeah, I've spent a bit of time there as well. Like I, I love mm. it as well. Mm. Obviously, like you say, polar opposites, but very
0: nice. Mm. Very mm. nice. Plenty now, of vibe. That's right. Today, Reese, we are talking about something we don't talk often about. In fact, maybe this is the first time you've even heard uh, a Christian podcast, if you call us that. I hope so, <laughs> uh, Pilgrimage. Something I've never done. No. It's something I've never done uh, a proper pilgrimage. I feel no. like I've done lots of mini pilgrimages, no, but I've maybe we all have.
1: Made a frequent, frequent pilgrimage to Red Rooster on Great Eastern <laughs> Highway.
0: <laughs> now, this is, as I said, something that we don't uh, talk often about, but we thought it'd be a really valuable conversation. Um, the reality is we're, we're all heading somewhere. And so often we consider faith and we consider life um, a journey. But after many conversations with um, our guest today, We've kind of discovered that maybe there's a more helpful way of thinking about it and and this podcast really came out of just some great conversations that we had been having and, and hearing from our guest today, Dr Tanya Watson, um just some of her insights and and some of the things she'd been thinking about in relation to um, thinking of life as pilgrimage and so this conversation might be um, you know a big first time for you in, in terms of even hearing about all of this but we hope that it's actually really helpful so today's guest is none other than uh the amazing dr tanya watson mm. who uh, is on staff here at riverview and just brings a great wealth of knowledge and so we really hope that you enjoy this conversation enjoy Tanya, thank you so much for joining with us on the podcast today. I thought I'd start off by just asking you a fun question. If you if you could spend seven days in any location, wherever you wanted in the world, where would you spend that time?
2: I would. I would go down to uh, the Holy Mile down at Bustleton. Oh, yeah, I would yeah, go down go. there. Local. Yeah, no, I would go down there. Um, there's a, just that stretch of beaches that were gifted to churches and other organisations back in the uh, I think it was over a hundred years ago now between Busselton and Dunsborough and um, that stretch of beach is just amazing and for a very small price you can spend a few days down there, pristine beach, pristine waterfront, camping. And so,
0: so even if all expenses were paid? Yeah, I'd still go, go there. you go there? I'd
2: still go yeah. there, yeah. Do you have
1: to be in the know? Do you have to have like an inside <laughs> man to kind of get you in? Because I feel like if I'm going past the Seventh Day Adventist one, maybe I wouldn't. Most
2: most of them these days you can just email or call them and you can get a spot. It's open to general camping. Yeah. I mean it's Mm. the the actual parameters are you it's meant to be a place for families and so it's not they're not meant to make money out of it. Oh Mm. right, okay.
0: There you go. That's a, that's a yeah, hot insight for the podcast. Now, Tanya, we've got you on uh, the podcast today, firstly, because we thoroughly enjoyed our, our first conversation. And you were actually the first conversation we had. So, oh, yeah. I'm, congratulations. I'm, thank
2: you so much. It was
0: good. It was very good. Well, <laughs> we thought it was good anyway. Yeah. That's, I, thought,
2: I thought it was good too. Yeah, <laughs> right.
0: But today we've got you on um, the Conversations podcast to so talk a little bit around this idea of pilgrimage. Um and Reese and I both, as we've been talking, recognize that this is not an area that we know a huge amount about. I feel like for both of us in our faith traditions, this is kind of just not a word that was mentioned or or an idea that was even talked about. It kind of seems a little um, olden daisy, mm.
1: you know, kind of like <laughs> mm. some kind of a pilgrim in a wagon going on the Oregon Trail in the States, you know.
0: Yeah, and I think as I've probably gotten to know you more um, and probably heard a little bit more about this, and even researched it a little bit more for myself, I've kind of become interested, firstly, around the idea of literal pilgrimages, but also then metaphorically how that um, changes our perspective on the way we view life and, and the world and our faith. Um, so, Tanya, just wondering if you could um, tell us firstly a little bit about pilgrimage and then um, just share some of your experiences with it.
2: Mm. So, I don't. I mean, I, I'm not a scholar around pilgrimage, but I certainly have had more experience than you have. So, <laughs> yes. um, but certainly, pilgrimage is not. It's not necessarily a Christian concept. So, for example, there's a Muslim pilgrimage that is very mm. f- well-known, the Hajj. Yes. Um, we've got millions of pilgrims going to uh, the Hajj. And so in most religions you'll find some form of pilgrimage. And really the idea is that you're retracing the steps of the forefathers in some way. There are people that have been significant that you're following, you're either walking in their footsteps. And pilgrims are, or pilgrimages are about um, walking in the thin spaces, those spaces where it feels like um, the divine and earth meet together. And so where you've got years and years of tradition of people walking in a certain way or or certain churches or certain places of significance, they're significant because for a a large body of years, people have gathered for a particular, often religious purpose. So the pilgrimage is walking where people have walked before. And certainly um, as someone who's walked on the Camino, which is a thousand-year-old pilgrimage route, um, there is something that you just, you, you get that sense of time that you don't get when you go into the shops, for example, you get a sense of for a 1,000 years people have chosen to leave home to go to a place that they've never been to before or, you know, a famous um, and, and to walk in this pathway and that somehow that journey is about meeting with the divine in my daily walk to get to a certain place. Um And I certainly felt that in Spain. So when you, I I noticed, for example, with the hospitality in Spain, it was an incredibly hospitable journey, because every three, four, five, six kilometres there is a village, and the village really exists to support pilgrims who are going through to Santiago. I mean, yes, there's farming and things going on, but there was little businesses and cafes so that pilgrims could rest, have you know, have coffee, cake, lunch. uh, whatever, there were toilets there. Um, I, I don't think I encountered one dirty toilet my whole time, which was was amazing because over 350,000 people a year, for example, walk the Camino de Santiago. So the whole culture there, so you realise that the, that the local residents are earning a living off pilgrims, but it wasn't usurious. So we weren't being charged huge amounts of money for Refreshment through the day, and in fact, there was one day when it was a very, very hot day. Walking into this, walking down into a a village, and it's lots of stone walls. It was very, very picturesque. And there was a man standing there with fresh homemade lemonade, and he was hugging, hugging us as we walked into the village. And this is an afternoon, you know, your feet are sore, you're really tired. To be hugged by a stranger and to be handed a glass of lemonade, I'll never forget that day. And he was saying, "God bless you" in Spanish. This extraordinary hospitality that we don't encounter in normal life. So you know that's just a taste of of the pilgrimage, but I've reflected, I, I remember ranting probably around five or six years ago before I in, experienced a pilgrimage myself around this concept of journey language, um, because every reality show had become a journey, and everyone's on a journey and my experience <laughs> is a journey, and I really got quite antsy about it for a while there. And it seems to me the difference is that a journey is something that we define for ourselves. So I'm on a journey and I get to choose where I go and what the outcome of that is and, you know, I'm the determiner of my own pathway. A pilgrimage is is different to that. A A pilgrimage is a predetermined path and I submit myself to that pathway and I also submit myself to whatever experiences will come my way. And I think that's a much... Healthier framework to live by. So, when I now hear people say, I'm, you know, we're going on a journey, I, ha- I reframed my life around this concept of pilgrimage where uh, I do not determine the pathway of my life. I'm submitted to God and He determines the pathway of my life. And my job is to try and walk in step with Him. So, when you actually go on a pilgrimage, you discover what it is to walk on a pathway that you do not know. Uh, to welcome whatever you encounter in every moment of the day, the rain, the hail, the sunshine, the hardship, the joys, the sheer joy some days, uh, you, you welcome all of that in um, In this framework of I'm, I'm walking with Jesus as I'm walking. The other profound truth about a pilgrimage and the difference between a pilgrimage and a journey is a journey is my own thing. But on a pilgrimage, uh, one of the sayings is, you must walk a pilgrimage on your own, but you walk it in community. So you can't exist without this company of people that you do not know, many of them. I mean, there are thousands of people, for example, who walk Camino de Santiago. Um, What was interesting, though, is if, if you start in a certain place, you tend to find a rhythm and there does develop a community of people that you find yourself walking with. So over the period of two weeks, you know, I kept meeting people that I had walked before, or you get to notice people and you stop and have conversation, or you pray, or you you just walk and chat with people. So it is an extraordinary communi- communal experience, but you're very much, you're walking on your own.
1: There's an interesting distinction between the idea of the journey and the pilgrimage. I mean, if I think about the images that are conjured up in my mind about an actual pilgrimage, maybe not um, uh, my life as a pilgrim, but... Uh, I would probably go about it in the way that you've described a journey. Like I'm going on this thing for these reasons, be it redemption or uh, rebirth, or I'm carrying this thing with me that I'm seeking to have kind of dealt with or processed. Whereas maybe what you're saying is that that's not actually it, you know, or can you go on a pilgrimage for specific reasons? Like, can you say I'm going to go on this thing because I am carrying this thing with me and I need to, uh, process something that's happened in my life or I feel like there's something going on in my spirit that I need to deal with. Is is, is that at play as well or would you just be setting yourself up for a, a fall, I guess, if you're going, <laughs> going on a pilgrimage with a particular agenda, you know?
2: Oh, no, for sure. I mean, you know, it is a tourist. It's very much become a tourist thing. I mean, all the pilgrimages have always have been. But they're, they're also routes of business and all trade and all kinds of things historically. But, um, yeah, I mean, there were lots of people who were walking for a purpose Um that one of the famous movies is called. Um, uh, oh, it stars Martin Sheen. Um, the Way, and and we watched that before we went on the Camino. And actually, it was one of the best things we did in preparation was to watch that movie. It's a profoundly beautiful movie. Now, it's not a Christian movie per se, but it is about a man who's who's um, walking with a purpose, with people who are walking with a purpose, and it's not not a Christian or religious purpose. They have their own things. So I think you know this distinction between pilgrimage and journey is probably about a state of mind or a state of heart. It's about a statement of intent. But I think for me, a journey is something that I determine, whereas as a pilgrim, I was submitting myself to something. But yeah, I hoped to meet with God. I had particular things that I was looking for on the pilgrimage, but at the same time, I was open to whatever God bought. And in fact, it was those surprising things that were the, really the life-changing parts of the pilgrimage.
1: I suppose uh, we've talked about it a little bit in other episodes, particularly the one on silence and solitude, about uh, maybe setting aside some time to be with God in silence and solitude and then not getting something and being yes, disappointed, disappointed, you know, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. feeling like you yeah. did it wrong. Like uh, <laughs> I, I fear that if I was to plan a pilgrimage, maybe that I would have designs on what I might Receive or experience, and then not get those, and then feel like I just stuffed it up. <laughs> uh, but then maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not ready to do like an epic pilgrimage or something like that. Maybe maybe uh, I need to do some work on the on that front. <laughs>
2: but I think that's one of the joys of the pilgrimage is that it confronts your expectation and confounds your expectations. So it's got a starting and an end point, but um, you know you can't control it, and and that's even confronting in it even of itself. Mm. You know?
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask a little bit about that because it sounds like, and we've talked a little bit about this, the whole, the whole certainty thing that we hold very tightly onto, especially when we talk about our journey and our, you know, the things that we choose. This idea of journeying towards an unknown end or, or a path that I don't really know where it's going to take me. I mean, our world is built on purchasing things that we know what we're going to get and we have the end product. we like, I'm not going to invest into something that I don't know the end in. But that that is completely flipping it on its head, you know, this idea of treating life as a pilgrimage is throwing that certainty thing out. And I feel like that's quite uncomfortable. Like, Well,
2: well there is a certain end to the pilgrimage. So for uh, the Camino Santiago, you end up in the cathedral in Santiago, which is this massive, it's a massive cathedral, again, with this rich history. And um, so there is certainly an ending point Um so I wouldn't want to say that there's no certainty, yeah. but there is the journey. I mean, pilgrimages have traditionally been quite dangerous. And in fact, they still are. You know, there are people who die on the Camino um, that you can you can find yourself confronted with, you know, people who want to rob you. Um, you know, people have been abused on the pilgrimage. So, you know, they are dangerous journeys. It's not a safe journey. But... Um, you are letting go of expectations you're trying to let go of expectations. I mean there's a lot of discussion on pilgrimages about how much you should take how much you should carry a lot of people start off particularly if you do at hardcore you you take you you carry everything with you and usually by at least halfway through the pilgrimage you find you you can divest yourself of so many possessions you actually realize you don't need much to walk so it's there's there's kind of this process that goes on the longer you're on your pilgrimage but so it has it has elements of certainty about it, but and
0: I guess what I'm hearing is what makes the pilgrimage, to use the word journey, special, is actually not necessarily just the end point, and that's not necessarily. It's actually the. It's
2: actually the the it's, day by day, it's the step daily by thing. step. Yep, yep, yep.
1: What kind of spaces when you were walking the Camino did you find yourself in? Like, are you were you in some kind of um, as you're walking, you're in. A particular headspace? Or did you find yourself on days where you're just grinding it out and you're, you're frustrated <laughs> and you're sore? And I just, I, I can't imagine that you would go on something like that and be in a prayerful utopian head heart space. I imagine there would be some days where it's not all that. Oh. And there might be some days where you are experiencing something that is very precious.
2: Yeah, absolutely. All of those, it's a, it's a roller coaster. And it really is just starting out walking and 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 seeing what happens. But Yeah, there were days where you just – I was a tourist. I mean, it's just profoundly beautiful. This part of Spain is just gorgeous and you're just pinching yourself that you get to spend days walking through beautiful. I mean, that slow tourism, you know, you can understand doing it just because it's slow and it's just a different tourist experience. There was a day I remember standing on the top of a forest uh, on the the mountain walking through a section of forest. We'd come through a village and I just threw my arms open wide – turning around like a little girl, just, it was just beautiful. And I just had this overwhelming sense of just sheer joy of life. So out of character for me, you know, and for, and I just kept walking with my arms stretched open. I just, life felt so fabulous at that point. And then there was one very dark day where I was just so angry, frustrated. It was raining. Didn't want to be near anyone. In fact, I did walk on my own. That's, there's a, there's a, a specific story I can tell you about that day. Um, you know, that we started, I was with a group. We started every day with a psalm and, and a song. And oh man, I didn't, I didn't want to pray with anyone. I thought, what are we doing? Uh, just, I just don't want to be with you people. And as soon as I could, I got away from everyone. I don't want to talk to anyone today. I'm just going to get to where I'm going at lunchtime.
0: <laughs> uh, you know, as you're talking about that, whilst you're talking about a literal journey that you went on, not like the pilgrimage, um, in Spain so much of that just sounds like everyday life Um, and you know there's some days you get up and it's great other days you get up and it's painful
1: and some days you have amazing experiences and some days are very humdrum
0: Mm. yeah and I wanted to just ask a little bit about that like how does this metaphor and not just as a metaphor but but as a, a way of viewing life how are we all on a on a pilgrimage in some way or another? You know, like, I've, is there regular everyday Perth pilgrimages that we're we're going on, and maybe we're not aware of it?
2: Um, yeah, I think that was one of the things that changed me was about my frame of life. I actually adopted the mindset of a pilgrimage, so my life is now a pilgrimage. One of the profound things that happened for me was that I realised that I somehow my faith had. You, you know this to be true, but it, it was a revelation to me that. That my that faith is an embodied experience, and somehow I'd got caught up in faith in my head and my heart. So, particularly as a, a minister in the church, you know, everything about my life is around my faith. But what I discovered in walking, and certainly in preparation to go on pilgrimage, is that I realised that I have a body that Jesus cares about, and so my life has become a much more embodied and a holistic experience. About I pay attention to my body. I'm not just paying attention to my emotions. I'm All of me now matters because there was one day where I was out walking um, to get fit and and I remember thinking I was hot and tired, I didn't feel like walking, I just wanted to get home. It was at the end of a day, you know, so I'd gone out after work to sort of pound trying to get up at least 10,000 steps a day to get fit and I thought I'm just going to take the shortcut home and in my mind I was going, I was heading down, I was going left on the path but suddenly my feet turned to the right and I found myself walking down the right and I was going now how did that happen? How was it I have a really strong will? How was it that my feet were able to override my very strong will and my decision that I wanted to go left? And my reflection was that was that that was God, that God took hold of my feet and he put me in the path to go right. And, um, and, and that was part of this revelation of going, you know, God is interested in every part of me. And so that includes my body. Um, he's interested in all of this. And so it was just part of me thinking about every day is a pilgrimage and that surrendering to, that God can override even my very strong will or my strong desires.
1: You were talking before about how uh, your your time in Canada potentially has, was a pilgrimage but you weren't aware of it at the time.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, was, we were just mentioning before that like, I, I you know, I think in obedience to God I moved over there not necessarily knowing what that would look like and leaving many comforts and certainties behind. And it's interesting because it's now that I look back at that there's so many moments where I'm like it almost feels like a pilgrimage journey but I didn't realize I was in it, you know, when you're doing it. Um I don't know if that's just giving the freedom for God to work in the ways that he would work as opposed to having a preconceived idea of what I want him to do in this time away. Um,
2: yeah, I, I think that's right. I think any travel, you know, you become what, what you know, that expression, you become a, a more than a, you know, 100, 150% person, you know, good traveling everywhere opens us up to new experience. And it's a tragedy when we don't get that opportunity. I mean, there is a great benefit. I think Wendell Berry, the great American poet talks about that kind of his committed to one place and there is something about being committed and experiencing life in one place. But when we do travel, we're opened up and we realise that we are more than we think or we can be more than we think or we can experience more than we can. You know, we, you, you become much bigger. We realise how big potentially we can be as people.
1: Yeah, I suppose you answered what one of the questions just there for me was can you go on a pilgrimage but not go anywhere?
2: Yeah, I, I think you can. Um In in one sense, you can. I mean, there is something physically about the physical place of being on a pilgrimage. There is something about actually walking that road where for a thousand years, people have walked that same path that you don't get if you just don't move anywhere. Mm. But sure.
0: Mm. I I want to just ask a little bit around this notion of tourism versus um, pilgrim. And even on the Camino, as you said, there's lots of people who are going to do that as a pilgrim. There's also a lot of people who are, coming to enjoy the the sights of sunny Spain or rainy Spain on some days. Um, and and almost look into that now as a perspective on our lives, like what are the things that pilgrims are doing that tourists maybe are not doing that you know when we when we embrace everyday pilgrimage here in Perth, if I am to live life as a pilgrim in my faith and in my relationships with God and others, how does that look different to just living life as a tourist and going about my day, just enjoying the sights and sound, but never necessarily taking any greater meaning out of it? I don't, does that make sense? Yeah, like, what, does, what's yeah. the difference there?
2: Yeah. So uh, in, before I went on the pilgrimage, it was obviously the physical preparation that you do because you want to—you don't want to get sick on the and you, and you want to get your feet ready to go and you want to walk your shoes in and do things like that. They're very practical things. But I also spent a good deal of time walking, is praying and asking God, God, what do you want to reveal to me on this pilgrimage? It was, a mir- it was miraculous the way that the opportunity even came up in the first place for me to go on this with a group of people that I was studying with from around the world. We were meeting up in Spain. And in my um, praying beforehand and walking, there's something that pilgrims do traditionally is, is you take a stone from home and you carry that with you on the journey and, and it symbolises what you've left behind. And on three occasions um, in getting ready, I was on a prayer retreat for one day up at Gijiganup, and I found myself attracted to these pieces of quartz. And during the course of that prayer retreat that day, I picked up about, I think there was 13 pieces of white quartz and I felt like I needed to take those to Spain with me. And then the other thing that I did, and it was as a result of watching the Martin Sheen movie, I realised that about halfway along the Camino, there's a famous place called the Cruz de Ferro. It's at one of the highest points in the Camino, it's an iron cross that has been there for a 1,000 years. And what happens is about as pilgrims get halfway through the journey, um, even people who are not Christians say something happens about halfway through. You've let go of so much of what you started the journey with. Um, and this place is where pilgrims leave a stone from home. And so there's this incredible mound of stones. Like I can't, t- I can't begin to describe you what it's like. You walk up to the top of this hill and there's this mountain of stones and then there's an iron cross on top of it. And people pause there and drop their stones. And, um, and I couldn't wait to get there. I was really looking forward to that part. And, um, and so I took uh, a bag of smooth white pebbles and I took one, quite emotional talking about this actually, one for every member of my family. I wrote their name on it. And I wanted to go there and leave a stone for each a member of my family at the cross, and um, and then the third uh, stone that I took with me was actually a lump of concrete. Which um, so I'm, I'm, I'm answering I'm answering your question, but <laughs> I'll, I'll I, you know I need to put it in the context of a story. And that happened because one day I was out walking and I felt God say to me, um, you know, you got two bits of concrete, they're broken slab in your backyard. I want you to take. One of them with you in your backpack, and I'm kind of going, you know, is that God speaking, or am I just being, you know,
1: <laughs> get some funny looks at customs, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah?
2: And 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 I thought, and I I thought, oh, I bet you want me to take the bigger piece, not the small one. <laughs> and I checked in with a few other people, and I said, what, well, you know, am I being crazy? But I mean, who would even think of taking a lump of concrete in their backpack? So I picked up the big piece, and it and it was a big piece of concrete, and and didn't tell anyone that that's what I was doing. Um, and took that. So I had these three kinds of stones. So, so what happened on the pilgrimage was that um, I felt that the pieces of, well, we started off at the Cruz de Ferro, so I didn't walk the whole of the Camino. I, I want to do that one day. I only walked part of it. But we actually went to the Cruz de Ferro where this Iron Cross was. And I couldn't wait to get there, as I said. And what was fun is I was walking with my husband, Neil, and when people found out we were going, they, they actually asked us to take a stone for them and leave at the Iron Cross. Um, so we got there and, and it was miraculous because there was no one around which doesn't normally happen. So we actually had probably 15 minutes on our own there placing these stones and in the miracle of technology today, I was able to place a stone of my family member at the cross, take a photo and immediately send it back to them on messaging, you know, I'm here. I'm leaving you here at the cross and here's your name on it. And it's just, it was a profoundly... Um, a profound experience to think that I'm leaving my family members at the foot of the cross, and there's just the, just the thought of that. We leave one another at the foot of the cross. We surrender one another to the complete and finished work of Jesus on the cross. It's profound. <laughs> um, the second the the, the pieces of quartz were were just so much fun for me. They were really healing. They became quite healing. Each piece of quartz had like a red line of iron through it almost like blood running through glass. And um, every day I felt God say to me, every day I want you to walk with one of those and then we're going to leave it somewhere on the pilgrimage. And, um, and so every day I felt like a fun adventure. It was fun with God today. Where will I leave this piece of quartz? And I have, I have 13 stories of where I ended up leaving my piece of quartz that day. One was that there's, there's shrines, little shrines all the way along the, the Camino where people pray and they leave stones or they leave notes or they leave flowers or whatever. And it's just this idea of picking up and putting down as you're walking, picking up, putting down, picking up, putting down. And in a Christian sense, you're surrendering. Now, non-Christian people are doing this on the Camino and you can do it as a tourist, but it becomes profound when you know that God is directing your pathway and your steps. So there's one piece of quartz that's in the cathedral in Santiago in the crypt where the bones of St. St. James are because I tossed it in there and unless they clean that cathedral, they'll never find it. Um, there was one day where we got to where the oldest cross is on the Camino pathway and that day is extraordinary in my memory because that one was a sad one and uh, mixed all the joy. I felt that day that I was carrying my son for whom I have, you know, a particular heartache and, and, and my husband and I, we were, we, at one part we were just walking together hand in hand with a stone between us and we got to this cross and without anyone ever saying anything, people just gave us space and that was the day where we put our grief uh, at the foot of the cross and were able to walk away and the thing is you can never go back and pick it up again. Um, and that, that was profoundly heal, healing for us. Day And to be in this idea of community of people we didn't know, but somehow they held us in our grief and in our walking away. And then the third one, which was the concrete, um, I mean, that was truly, I um, mean, I still think I can't believe I did that. But um, I was walking with this concrete in my backpack and the miracle of that is that I never felt that weight. I was really worried because I'd been doing some training and I'd put my neck out just the weight of carrying the backpack. And I thought, I'm, I'm not going to make it. And I'm, and I, I hope that God says to me, you can leave the concrete on day one. But I had a sneaking suspicion that wasn't going to be the case because the concrete represented, at that time I was working with Churches of Christ and that represented the weight of the 65 churches. this kind of idea of spiritual weight, carrying this, these churches that I love with all my heart. And, um, and the miracle was that I walked every day with that concrete my fellow pilgrims didn't know and I never felt the weight of it except for that day where I got really angry. And I woke up that morning and I just thought, you stupid woman, what are you doing? who, who, who are you to think that God told you to carry this lump of concrete? You know, this is just a ridiculous thing to do. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to get out of here as quick as I can and I'm going to just chuck this piece of concrete somewhere. I'm like, I'm done with this. And, um, and, I, and we sang a song and as I said, I was just, I was literally seething. And, I, and as soon as I could, I just, I just took off for dust, left everyone for dust that day. I, I, I ran and it, was, it felt like a supernatural running. I mean, this is day three, my feet were sore and I just took off down the pathway, didn't care, didn't want to talk to anyone. And, um, and then probably after a couple of hours sort of settled down and prayed through my anger and, and sort of going, what was that? Like, what was that? And the really weird thing about that day is I, like I didn't pass anyone from my group. I didn't, I left my husband. No, you know. And it gets to lunchtime and I get to the village and there's all the all the people that I've been walking with sitting at the village having lunch and the sun's shining. And they went, where did you go? Because, you know, you were so far ahead of us. We thought you'd left, you know, left us for dust. We thought you were probably were at the hotel by now. And I went, well, well, where were you? Because I ran the whole way. I didn't stop and I ran and yet you beat me to lunch. And to this day, I can't explain what happened other than it was something profound. Anyway, the story with the concrete was it it symbolised the churches and I think maybe there was something that God was even doing in me that day in relation to the churches. But um, where that got dropped off was at the the tradition with the Camino as you go, when you get to the cathedral in Santiago, lots of people finish there, but actually you can go further to. Um, which is on the coast, which is the true end of the pilgrimage. And in history, pilgrims would go there and they would strip off and take all their clothes off and all their belongings and actually would throw them into the, or burn them and then they would go and swim in the sea. And so I thought, well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go there. And um, and I had visions of throwing off this great lump of concrete off the end of the world and and that would be this spiritual thing. So we get there this morning after... Uh, with Neil, we actually ended up driving up there, get to the top of this cliff and I've got my lump of concrete Neil's going, just chuck it off. <laughs> <laughs> so I fling it as much as I can and it basically just goes plop, plop, plop <laughs> and lands in a bush halfway down the mountain. It's you know,
1: still there. There today. it is. It's still there to this
2: day. What was the point of all of that? It was not the dream ending that I had imagined. Mm. It wasn't it wasn't the movie moment that I had mm. imagined in my mind. And I, and I, and I, I, you know, I thought, what, so God, what was the point of that? What was the point of that thing? And to this day I still don't really know other than God just laughing and saying, and maybe it was something about effort, self-effort. Maybe it was just something about being obedient. Um, maybe it was just this wonderful thing that one day I'll figure it out. But it, it was those profound moments that that I was not a tourist. Mm.
0: Um, you're almost still finding meaning I, out of some of those things. I am, yeah. yeah. There's something that could sounds
1: like... Could be so profound i just am wondering why in particular modern strains of christianity we don't we haven't really kind of stuck with it i mean we're fine with some communal rituals such as you know communion or group prayer or corporate worship that type of stuff i just wonder why and how it got lost along the way why we i mean it's clearly not lost but we just haven't chosen to keep it as part of our, maybe it's just the trappings of modern life. We like everything to be kind of neat and tidy and and a pilgrimage is not neat and tidy.
2: Well, Yeah, but I also think it's probably, this is part of the legacy of the reaction to the Reformation, right? Because this is a very, you know, we would now say in our tradition, this is very Catholic. And, and you're walking, you know, this business about saints and things like that. So we don't like that in our, we haven't appreciated it. This is where some of the baby got thrown out with the bathwater at the Reformation. But there's, there's aspects of Christian tradition that we are now rediscovering. So, you know, so silence and solitude, you know, these practices that are actually very important in the forming of Christian character within us. And pilgrimages is just another one that we are now rediscovering. It's not just a Catholic idea. Uh, it is actually a... a a life-transforming experience that we submit ourselves to and it transforms us. I mean, it's a bit like um, uh, Ryan. I took Ryan on a mini, mini pilgrimage. Yes, I went on my first <laughs> mini pilgrimage
0: this morning, probably one billionth of the Camino. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, you know, we listened to scripture while we were walking mm. and it was a passage from mm. Isaiah that talked about rough pathways and smooth pathways. Mm. Mm. Now, what did you experience? Yeah,
0: I mean, I I found that, as we were talking about before, it, it became an embodied reality, you know, when I'd heard smooth pathways before. That's like I'd heard that in a lab in heart and mind but not necessarily thought about that as literal smooth pathways and as we're out walking and I'm holding on to something that's very earthy and grounded, it becomes a living reality. And you know, and that's what I imagine so much of the pilgrimage is is actually about. It's 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 one thing to have this, like you said before, heart and mind, you know, idea of faith. It's another thing to actually walk it, literally walk it. I think so much of our um church context is often done in a nice little lab-like building with fake lights and, you know, um music, whereas how much of it is meant to be outside. I don't know. I'm saying that as a not very outdoorsy kind of person. So the only stars I sleep under are the five stars. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, one, of the, um, one of the There's a pilgrim, pilgrimage writer who I, I think, I can't remember which book it was, but he says, um, you know, the Bible is such an outdoorsy book. You know, you'd read scripture outside and it takes on a whole, you know, the trees of the field will clap their hands. If you're in a forest and you hear the wind in the trees, you, the trees of the field are clapping their hands. And that's an amazing experience. Walking on pathways, you know, it, it changes how you see things, reading the Bible outside.
1: It's a bit different than the fluoro lights and the air conditioning will sing God's yeah.
0: praise, you know. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I want to, um, we, we're, we're going to go full circle here. I'm going to read this quote and then I wanted to ask you something and it relates to our first conversation we had. Um, this quote says, To journey without being changed is to be a nomad to change without journeying is to be a chameleon to journey and to be transformed by the journey is to be a pilgrim. And it seems as though, even as we've been talking that, um, a lot of what we're talking about and the importance of being on our own pilgrimage is actually being open to the transformation and change. And the first conversation that you actually spoke to us about was about change and dealing with change. And I'll, I'd love just to hear you you share obviously in light of your own pilgrimage experience but um maybe how we just better open ourselves up to being changed and transformed because I think often like I think to myself my journey of life and of faith like you said I've kind of prepared my own way and part of that is I'm I'm actually not willing to be changed or transformed uh, transformed as I go on the journey whereas what does that look like for us just to completely open ourselves up to what God would want to do in this space that I find myself in? Um, it's kind of uncomfortable because, again, it's then out of our control and um, it's kind of with him.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think the the, the practice of going on a pilgrimage, it, we know this stuff in our heads, but when you actually do it, that's what, that's the transformative part. So I would now look back and say, actually, I've had many pilgrimage experiences, but I just didn't recognise them. So I can think about um, there's something that happened. I grew up in Kalgoorlie. Um, There was my experience of the bush was I I rejected the bush. When I um, only just recently, probably five or six years ago, I had an experience up in Newman where the Lord really spoke to me out of a piece of Indigenous art and it led to me repenting of my rejection of Australia as my land now I would now tell you that that was a pilgrimage experience. I just didn't recognize it because I didn't, I didn't understand. I mean, it was a still profoundly life changing thing. But I would now say that, actually, I re- I would now recognize it as a pilgrim quite differently because now I understand. So even this morning when I was out walking with you, Ryan, it was just like, um, pilgrimage teaches you to see and notice things differently. You know, to look up and to look around and to ask different questions and. And, and that happens every time I go out for a walk now. So it's one thing to know about it and read it in a book, but when you actually submit to that, it, it teaches you. And as I was trying to describe earlier, not just in your heart and mind, but also in my body, my body gets into this rhythm of walking in this right way of being that's much more surrendered. And and so it's the experience that teaches you and then unlocks the door to transformation.
0: Well, we hope you enjoyed the Conversations podcast for today. Uh, As we mentioned on the front end, this is um, a topic we don't talk a huge amount about. And so if you're interested in learning more, we'd really encourage you just to keep um, exploring. Keep asking questions, uh, jump online, search out about some pilgrimages, some examples. Um, Don't let the conversation end here.
1: If you'd like any more info about Riverview Church, please hop on to riverviewchurch.com you local and you're looking for a church to attend, we've got our service times up there and ways to get connected. And our live stream is moving to a new time. We're moving to 5 p.m. on Sundays. That's Australian Western Standard Time. And that stream will be up for 24 hours afterwards. Our music today is by the super talented Andrew Warram. Until next time, keep having conversations.